0: to the second episode of That Recruiter Show with me, Rodney Stegall,
1: and... Juliet Abruzzi. Hi, all.
0: Thank you. And and so I, I'm going to say, Juliet, I was surprised at, at uh, the response that we got last week. Pleasantly surprised. Um,
1: yes. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. I think we had some folks... Former colleagues, things like that, but we got a little more reach than than we thought. So yeah,
0: it was so I had so much fun doing it, and, and um, I'm super grateful to everyone who who checked it out. And there were a few people who who actually followed it. <laughs> <laughs> what a thought! Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's you know, how, how did you did you listen to it or did you just kind of let it go out into the ether?
1: No, no, I listened to it, uh, for better or worse, le- you know, most people just love listening to their own voice. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I got, I got over that a bit, but I thought it was super fun and I've always been, um, I I'm a radio enthusiast and there were a couple radio shows that I just listened to like die hard growing up every morning, getting ready for school, um, Preston and Steve, they were my favorite ever. They're out of Philadelphia, WMMR. It's actually the longest-running rock radio show in the United States. And it was just—I always loved that people could develop that banter, and you're kind of, like, having that— listening, but out of your headspace mode. And I just, I've always loved Radis. So this is like, this is an homage to something that I've always enjoyed.
0: Nice. No, it's, it's really fun. And I think, you know, it's funny. I think the people that listen to it are people we already have a relationship with. So they knew us to, yeah. at some point, but I think it's kind of neat to establish a relationship with someone, but I will say I couldn't listen to it. I edited everything. No, no I couldn't. <gasps> and it's just like, you know, and it's, it's that idea of listening to your own voice. And to your point, I I don't have like a radio voice like, welcome everybody to that recruiter show with Rodney and Juliana (laughs) Breezy coming at you from, you know what I mean? I just don't have that. That was a good
1: Casey Kasem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's you know, I think it's it's fun to establish that relationship. And I think there is so many recruiters out there that there's no show for us.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I well, I loved that we kind of put it out there and we had probably like four or five hand raises out the gate. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be interviewing. And if any other listeners would like to um, throw their hat in and be a guest star at some point, uh, Rodney and I are going to keep this going and uh, let us know if you want to be on the show.
0: Would love that. Would love that. And I can't wait. You know, I think um, hopefully I've, I've started a new hobby. <laughs> with,
1: yeah, right? With you. Yeah. Just
0: stick with me, Juliet. Don't go anywhere. Yeah.
1: Pinky like, <laughs> think you promise.
0: You got think it. Pinky promise. <laughs> you got it.
1: So, right, you, so what are we covering today?
0: So, you know, I think this week, one thing that has been in the news that I wanted to to kind of get your thoughts on, and I think it's something that is going to be relevant to us, is um, ChatGPT, which is this AI yes. tool. And I think Microsoft just acquired them. And it's, it's new from what I understand. I think it just came out like in November. Yeah. But it's already like passed a, a, an exam from, at the legal school at University of Minnesota, it passed like an MBA level paper. And, and, you know, I I saw some videos of it. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if I didn't know any better, I would totally get fooled. Yeah. So I went out there, and I started looking around. And I'm on these Reddit forums. Reddit is a great place if you want to just listen as a recruiter and, and hear what people think of recruiters. It's not always good, but it it's there. Um, <laughs> but I just kind of put a it out there
1: cocktail for that one first Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and definitely check your ego at the door.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think we recruiters have pretty thick skin, but there's a lot of people. I kind of put it out there and there are a lot of people like, yeah, if anybody asks for a, for a, uh, a cover letter at this point, I'm just going to chat GPT and giving them that.
1: So, oh my gosh. That's an idea. Yeah. I mean, well, c- candidly, when's the last time you submitted a cover letter?
0: I usually skip it.
1: So, did I, same. <laughs> do we put that out as a PSA to everybody? Don't do cover letters. Yeah, we don't. Oh my God.
0: It's so early in the process to, to do something like that. But yes. So I, I think today, right, two months into this tool coming out, some of you guys are getting fooled. And
1: so, yes. Well, I'm thinking about, so we went to, we went through a very rigorous, um, interview process for our last role. Right. Um, and it included a very robust writing assignment. And I'm curious if it would, you know, pass through something like that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I spent I probably spent five or six hours on mine. I don't know if you remember. You're a little further back than me. I probably spent about five or six hours.
0: Um, I think I did it kind of, you know, kind of free flow. I don't know how long it yeah. took. But yeah. but even from that, right, let's, let's say you've got a, a writing assignment. That could be your first draft and save you how much time?
1: Right. And then who's to say that that wouldn't be proprietary if you're editing it?
0: Yep. Yep. And, you know, even... So how many how many of us start our conversations over email and you have these questions and things like that? And so if if, yeah. if if I'm a candidate, you know, we talked about this offline a little bit, but, you know, my hit rate from like job applications is probably like one percent. So oh you know, gosh, the yeah. amount of time that I'm willing to to put into some of this is, you know, I, I understand it's not a lot of return on that investment of time. Right. You know. If, if it's good enough, why not right? And so, yes, I think we're looking at at two or three years down the road some major changes
1: Yes, I speaking of your hit rate, I had like screenshotted something and sent it to a few people yesterday and my uh, my text was just like, this is the market so <laughs> Um, America's Talent Acquisition Leader, a a role that we would both be qualified for. It was posted yesterday for two hours, um, full-time director role, 10,000-plus employees. Um, It had 296 applicants in two hours. Wow. Wow. And and like you said, if I don't know somebody there— why on earth would they pluck my resume out when mm-hmm. you know you've probably got similar experience? Juliet and Rodney, two resumes side by side. Um, I mean, I'm going with Rodney every time, but no. that's just me. I'm so. with you. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but like to your point, is there what's the time investment that's worth in something like that? And if you have a shortcut like this to help you automate a portion of that, and yeah. oh. Rodney, I had, this was crazy. I had a consultant reach out to me and said, are you tired of, of applying for jobs? The consultants at our company will do the job applications for you. Oh, my gosh. I know. I was like, well, that's a sector. <laughs> I that so you give your resume and what you're interested in, and they do all the applications for you. Get
0: out of here. I know. Oh, my gosh. Now, I briefly
1: I, thought about it. I brief a brief, very brief. I didn't think it was a good t- way to spend my funds, but. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It. I mean, I, I don't think I would do that, but I think there's definitely a market for that. Right.
1: Yeah. Wild. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to the back, back to chat. The chat GPT, the the most this is so new to me, but the most adjacent experience I had is I was recruiting for a business intelligence organization and it was very important for them, for um, these folks to have people that could. Um, digest, clean up the data, and then translate it to basically, you know, VP, C-suite clients. Mm -hmm. And that presentation was of utmost importance. And if you remember a few years ago, a a PowerPoint feature that I quite love is that little box that you can click that says (laughs) design ideas. And you can start up. I just put in a bunch of text blocks all over the page, and you put that design idea, and then all of a sudden, like, "Woo! This is fantastic looking." So, mm-hmm. those business leaders didn't like it. They wanted somebody to be able to present their own findings and and put it into a digestible way. So, um, they ended up doing kind of a supervised version of it, where the person had to create the um, create the PowerPoint under their watch. Yeah, wow. yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if the chat GPT does this coding, do you know?
0: It does. It does. So I've seen videos where you can ask it to produce like Java code and it does it. Wow. That's why this is going to change things. And I, I, you know, I think this is the very beginning of it. You know, AI has kind of gotten to this point and I have two examples of that. There's a vendor out there and they sit in front of workday. Recruiting. So, and I forget the name of their, I forget the name of the company. I should have been more prepared, but, you know, I think Microsoft, Southwest Airlines are both using them and they have an AI feature and, and it's really more about steering you as a candidate into the right places. Okay. However, that is kind of where we were yesterday. Yeah. But where we are going with this is very easily if you're in a high volume operation, this is going to completely take out the need for recruiters because you can have this AI learn what questions to ask, how to respond, take those and and kind of rack and stack them to a hiring manager who then makes a decision on interviewing which your interviewing process can be automated. So yes. you don't have a recruiter in the loop at that point. Your, your recruiter is gone really. And if you have a recruiter, it's really at a higher level focused on filling the pipeline and getting the pipe, yeah. the talent attraction side of it. But you don't have anyone who's doing general screens or anything, right? I think that's the way we get, we're going.
1: Yeah, I feel like the closest thing we have to that right now is like the knockout questions that you can add on to an ATS that say like. Have you had leadership experience? Yes or no. Have you had that? And, you know, that's that's pretty rudimentary. But to have it in in an A.I. and then steer you. um, Yeah, you get a little banter, right? Yes. And think about like like, for example, that job posting with two hundred ninety six applicants. And we know that sometimes that's kind of the dead end, Mm -hmm. but to think if you could have a redirect or if your system could then say, Hey, this person applied before, and, um, you can get them into the process now and they're still available and here's all their information like that. That could be, that could be really helpful too. Yeah.
0: It's, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty interesting. And I think that's, that'll be my kind of tell, right. When it, when it really starts to get implemented and in our industry in that way, I, you know, I think on the higher order skills, there's so much nuance and, you know, interpretation that needs to be done during the phone interviews because, you know, oftentimes in a, in a touch labor situation, a call center, you're kind of looking for very finite things, right? You know, can this person lift 50 pounds without accommodation? Can they work in, you know, those types of very basic things versus, you know, when you're talking about engineering skills or technical skills, you're, you're trying to infer a lot in that mm-hmm. conversation is, and it's not, have you done this certain thing? It's part of a recruiter's job is to say, how good do I think they are? Because I've got yeah. to recommend this and pass it on. I don't know that it doesn't feel like it's there yet in, in any way, but yeah. I certainly feel like once we get to a point where it can, can do kind of the high, high touch, high, high volume stuff. Yeah. We're on the chopping block after that. Because it's evolving, right?
1: Yeah. Remember those old, like it was like probably when we were in high school and you're getting ready to apply for colleges and they make you do that like personality skill test and it (laughs) spits out like, hey, you could be a teacher or you could be a municipal worker or Mm -hmm. park ranger and it gives you like all the different skill set and things like that. I think my... You know, obviously that was like super rudimentary and for us many moons ago, but I would be very cool if, I know sometimes for a recruiter, especially a new recruiter, working those, figuring out those transferable skills in sourcing and then translating it to a business leader is a skill set that has to develop over time. But I wonder if in something like this, where it's like, hey, you know, Rodney has managed large teams as a talent acquisition leader. He is KPI driven. He is knows how to use tools, system processes. What makes Rodney not applicable for a head of operations role? Right. Right. So
0: <laughs> That's a scary thought, isn't it? That's a scary <laughs> thought. And so my mind jumps. To so and and so, we never really talked about this in the in the previous episode. But my background's in industrial organizational psychology, and you know, I look at exactly what you said and start to think of normalization of data in the sense that you're kind of building a a normal curve or mm-hmm. skill set that says, okay, you know, sixty eight percent of of the people who do this job have these traits or this trait in particular, and. As you start to gather data, if you're a smart organization and you're keeping it and you are acquiring new data, you can start yeah. to develop a model that tells you those types of things. Now, in our industry, are people doing that so much? Nah, you know, I don't think so. Right. I, I think that's the bane of HR is that they've, they've got so much data that they don't know what to do with it. And most HR people are not data people. Yeah. But I think that data is there. To yeah. do exactly what you said, which is kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. And <laughs> oh my god.
1: If you've got if you've got the information like if you've got the system behind it and thinking of that as the data instead of you trying to relay that, mm-hmm. that might give you a little bit of backing to get people into roles that they traditionally might not have yeah. been open to. And it's a data based assessment, thought. right? It's not Yes.
0: I think that this person could do it based on my conversation, which which takes a lot of credibility as a recruiter. But when you start to say, "You know, you know seventy percent of our top performing, whatever they are, technical, technical, whatever, yeah have this have these traits, and this person has these traits as well you you that's pretty black and white, and it becomes a, yeah. a question of, okay, let's look at the difference. Is it just a skill based thing that we can add on to their profile and and have another top performer in our company?
1: Yeah, wow, absolutely. The possibilities. So you think this is more applicable to volume first, or do you think both sides? I,
0: I think, yeah, and, and it's, it's a confluence thing, right? So similar, if you think you, cell phones were neat for a long time, they did one thing, they, yeah. they were a telephone. But yes. you add a camera, a personal organi- organizer, an MP3 player to that, you put that all together in one machine, and it becomes a totally different thing, right? It becomes your lifeline. It's, a, it's your yes. mini lifeline and I think if if you take something like chat GPT and you add that to other areas right that's where you start to integrate that into your ATS systems and then your your assessment systems you start to get into that that world yeah that's my opinion yeah right you add the the interview integration onto it I think in and of itself it's a one trick pony it can trick you with text but you start to add on those other pieces and integrations to it. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I, I'm going to be wildly like off the mark with that a year from now and people are going to be <laughs> laughing at me.
1: <laughs> no, I'm thinking about what I, what I what I what I got hung up in my head on was um, how much I dislike chat bots as they exist today. And that little thing that comes up in the corner, like, how can I help you? Or are you looking for a job? And I, for some reason, maybe I'm too conversational, but the first, like the first thing that I say, the bot is always like, sorry, I don't know what you mean. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm just out this it's,
0: box." it's the touring test, right? It doesn't pass the touring test. You, it doesn't feel like you're right. having a conversation with a person. Right. And if you can pass the touring test, that's a long way. Like, look at, The videos like have you seen the AI generated videos of like celebrities and stuff like that that are fake, but they look so real.
1: See, that stuff is scary. I mean, you've been in defense long enough to (laughs) know that that stuff is that's that's a slippery slope. But you add this to that. And what's to say all of a
0: sudden, like you're talking to an AI generated Juliette Brzezzi. And I don't know that it's a fake person. You know what I mean? Like, yes, that's not out of the realm of possibility at this point.
1: <laughs> oh, Rodney. <laughs> I feel like we're getting into like an iRobot scenario, oh. but <laughs> I feel
0: like I've got a tin foil hat on at this point, to be honest yeah, really. with you. But I
1: know, but I that's, know.
0: that's the you know, I, I just I think this can go a lot of different ways at this point, you know, and and it's it's too this. And
1: would it be would it be our responsibility as the human race to say, like, hey, just so you know, this person is not real, but it will feel real like it, yeah. that seems like a disclosure that needs to happen.
0: That is that is 100 percent the ethical thing to do. And, I yeah. think you know, that helps people. But I think if, as soon as you try to pass that on as as you know, this is a real person, or you don't make that statement. Hey, you're going to lose credibility.
1: Yeah, right. absolutely.
0: Which is going to impact whether or not people want to work for you. But I think that also says a lot about you as an organization that you try to do that. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I think doing it is, I don't know, I think that's just the right thing to do, bare minimum,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It is. So um, our next, yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you want to you want to take a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll we'll start up with our our next topic? Yeah. Sounds sounds good. good. everybody for our next segment here at the hey, hey. At recruiter show. So, you know, I think this is something that's near and dear to a lot of recruiters, which, which comes into sourcing teams and, and not to say sourcing in the activity of itself, but the idea of the sourcer role and how that fits into a TA team.
1: And I, you and I both know, I really, everyone in HR knows that the the role of a sourcer can be approached in so many different ways. Um, the structure of the team, what they're looking for, the life cycle of sourcing, um, where you're finding the talent, I mean, there's so many different directions you can go with it. Now I, Rodney, you've managed more sourcing teams than I have, I think. I've managed right. two at, I don't know, I've managed two at two different companies.
0: Um, so I've managed, I guess two, but okay. I, I've managed sourcers and it's, it, so I think this comes back to yeah. what you're saying, right? I think I've seen it go from the idea of I have a recruiter and all they're going to do is float me resumes to the, mm-hmm. the full structure of a sourcing team. And so I will backtrack on what you're, you were talking about in terms of, of that structure okay. and go back to skill because it's a, I think it's a totally different person from a full life cycle recruiter. In yes. mentality,
1: And some organizations approach it as sourcing as a pipeline for recruiting. Mm-hmm. And, and i never felt like that was, that was a very imperfect model.
0: Yeah. I mean, y- you can really bog down your recruiting team doing that, yeah. you know, versus, you know, what you and I, I think conceive of as sourcing. Yes. And, and I think you can you can also do yourself a disservice by saying, oh, it's sourcing. I'm going to go put a bunch of recruiters and tell them to source where in my mind, disagree with me. Tell me I'm stupid. if I'm wrong. Mm. But, I, you know, I think of a sorcerer as almost like a ninja when it, or, or a hacker. Oh,
1: oh my gosh. Uh, I, I was I was going the direction of like um Like forensic investigator, Mm -hmm. like private investigator, (laughs) like the people that like when your hard drive dies and you hand it over to them, you're like, figure out what's wrong. And
0: that's,
1: I mean, some of my best sourcers have just been so technically sound. Um, And like you said, like the, the SWAT team that comes in and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, like you've got, this like laser beam right. that you just put out
0: there. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think of a of a, of a recruiter as, you know, I, look, I'm Gabby. I can gab a little bit, and I I can go have a conversation with 45 minutes about nothing if yeah. I have to with, with a candidate. Um, and that's yeah. I think that's something a recruiter can do. And I think some of the best sourcers that I've ever met, yeah, don't like doing that. You know what I mean? They really enjoy yeah. being on their computer. And digging out information and leads and and finding people. Now they as I think as part of what we do can have those conversations and, and part of qualifying people, but it's not where they live. Does that make sense? I do
1: think yes, but I do like a sorcerer who screens. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's the ideal handoff where you're like Hi, I'm Juliet. I'm your sourcer, and should you fit all the criteria, I will be passing you along to the recruiter to introduce you to the hiring team, things like that. Like, like any later in the process, to me, it feels uncomfortable for the candidate, because if you if the sorcerer's developing a relationship with the candidate over time, and then all of a sudden you get like, hey, I'm your yep. client lead. I'm going to talk about <laughs> comp, and it's like I don't want to talk about my comp. I don't know who you are. 100%. So I feel like any later in the process, it's it's kind of asynchronous and confusing. Um, but you said this offline earlier. A lot of both candidates and hiring managers and companies don't understand the difference between a sorcerer and a recruiter. Correct.
0: I 100% believe that. Yeah. Um and and I think you're right. You know, a, a good sourcer hands off a candidate that someone can close. Yeah. And you know, they've done the assessment, they understand it, they and and they've really done the hard part um of going and finding them in places that most recruiters, you know, most recruiters are going to go into a database, they're going to go into LinkedIn and they're going to and and I think a lot of times you have um Sourcers who are building like department trees of of contacts that they have and they're kind of, you know, doing phone trees and things like that. But um, that's not really, you know, it's it's something 20 years ago recruiters did because we all did the same thing. And mm-hmm. I'd say around 2005, 2006, the idea of a sourcer as a separate role started to to come about. And I think that type of a deep dive is, is where your sourcing team comes in versus your full yeah. lifecycle recruiter. And yeah. to your point, your your sourcer hands over this candidate who is ready to get closed. They've been assessed as qualified and, and your full life cycle recruiter kind of takes it from there and really kind of you know does the gabby bits. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, helps them to fall in love with with the organization. Yeah. And you know, that's that's kind of my my thing with recruiting it's it's kind of like dating right we we want to yeah. see if we can help people fall in love
1: now my one hot take and you might disagree with me i, th- I think there's very specific reasons for sourcing um from a, from like a if you own a sourcing pod amongst full life cycle recruiters mm-hmm. i have always felt like there's kind of like two areas where you really could use a sourcer, Otherwise, it's just kind of mucking it up, and a full lifecycle recruiter can can handle it. Something like software—take so an STE, an engineer—really mm-hmm. hard to find, really high caliber, hard to pass these assessment. You get a lot of drop off through, so you need somebody who is helping to fill that pipeline. And so, technical sourcing, hundred percent relevant. I think the other area is D E and I, where <laughs> if you have a really strong diversity sourcer, they might be kind of like function agnostic, but say there's a team that really needs help with um, Black Latinx, what you know, whatever demographic it might be, they're gonna be able to come in and supplement that that pipeline and find additional people that a full life cycle recruiter might not have the Time to mm-hmm. dedicate or the wherewithal or the skill set. So um I don't know about you. Like to me, like okay, a marketing specialist, you put that up there, you're gonna find a good qualified person. I don't think that, that needs sourcing support. But that's that's my two cents on that.
0: Yeah, I think you make a good point about DEI though, um, because it, it can really quickly get to overlap, right? And yeah, and the, the last thing you want to do is structure your team where, where people are crossing over and competing. Um, you know, I think we saw that quite a bit. And I think there's, you know, parts of the levers that you have to look at as a leader. Like, okay, are my sources, recruiters, and everybody tripping all over each other? Mm-hmm. And I think if, if you do that, your structures, you, you've built your team incorrectly, right? You, you've mm-hmm. you've had way too much intersection, but I think if, if you structure DEI to stay focused on DEI and agnostic of skills, you may have some of that. But you've you're also supplementing your other teams in yeah. the sense that, OK, yes, you may get SDEs or, or whatever engineers that they're also looking for. But I'm also feeding them methodology, tools. Um, I'm going to set up events for for partnership in coming to to um, execute, so mm-hmm. I think there's there's a lot of nuance to that, but I think you're right, um, you know, and and that's the way I've always seen DEI structured, um, rather than in for all intents and purposes competing with with the other, I guess, uh, people in the function.
1: Yeah. Now, the handoff from a source to to the recruiter and that and that relationship. <laughs> I've, I've found in organizations that's always a, that's more often than not, whether it's kind of a, um, a systemic problem or even just an individual person like I've I was always beating the drum to the recruiters like the sorcerer is only going to do as good of a job as the information that you give to them mm-hmm. so don't just say oh my god they're not giving me any people and you know this is not going well it's like well how much time have you spent with the sorcerer and told them what right. what you need I think <laughs> as, as
0: a leader don't you think that you can kind of listen to both sides of it and and understand and diagnose pretty quickly what, what's going on
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: And, yeah, and and I think you can qualitatively kind of listen to to your recruiters and their sourcing support, and go, okay, here's what's going on. This is why yeah. this is or isn't working.
1: I've always been so uh, just beat the drum on having that such a meshed, interwoven <laughs> like bring them to the intake meeting, bring yeah. them with your hiring manager, like let them hear directly from the source so that when they're going to market for you to make you look good, they can tell the story too.
0: I do a lot of, I used to do a lot of deflection, like, okay, have you, you're telling me this, have you, have you gone and told the sourcing team this, or have you told the recruiting team this? And, yeah,
1: good. You know, Perfect.
0: I think, you know, there's, there's a piece of us right there. We always want to kind of go to our leader and, and I don't know if it's venting sometimes or, or if it's legit, right. But it's the idea of yeah. let's short circuit me and just have you guys talk directly and yeah. I'll get, get you guys in a room, but it comes back to that qualitative. Look, let's, let's listen what's going on because you can very easily. I think the most common thing I've seen is, Oh, they're just sending us resumes and I don't have time to look through them or yeah. I, I don't have time to call all these people. Comes back to what you said, right. A good source is going to qualify that. Mm-hmm. And a recruiter's going to know, okay, handoff. This is qualified. Yeah. I trust this sourcer. I'm going to run with it.
1: And for, for recruiters who are interested in a leadership track, I always thought that it was extremely indicative of how they treated their sourcer. 100%. And if somebody was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it on my own. I was like, well, that is a reflection of how you partner, mentor, communicate and, and lead. And, you know, think of it that way. And I've, I've had a couple of light bulbs with that conversation too.
0: Yeah. You know, you're 100% right. That and admins, how you treat, treat admins. Yes. <laughs> and, and oh my
1: gosh. Admins are like the people that you want to be your best friends. Oh,
0: they're, and they al- always know everything. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, bring flowers and cookies. Holy cow. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, with sourcing, one of the things that I feel like falls off a little bit is events. And I've always been a strong believer that your sourcing team should be the ones there and representing and going through candidates, taking that inventory. Like I, I know that's a little bit different than um, the standard setup, but I always felt like if the source is the one that's there at the at the pipeline and they're responsible for figuring out where they go. Yeah. I, I always enjoyed having the sourcing team on that piece. What what about you?
0: Yeah, I think you know it's super important to to kind of look at the event because some of those events are forward looking, right? You're not necessarily gonna come away with people you're gonna hire um versus a hiring event, quote unquote. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that partnership has to be there. And I, I think if you have a sourcing team, why would you not have a sourcing team that's running your events like that? Yes. Right? I think that's part of that function. You have to, to in, in some respects, hand over that trust and the keys to yeah. what's the best, you know, I want people on my sourcing team to tell me where to go find people. I don't want to say, hey, you know, why don't we try this? I want them coming and yelling yeah. at me. like, Why aren't we there? Um, that's the sourcing team that I want. Rather than
1: and, and to your point, I, a good sourcer has has that research chop to mm-hmm. them. Has that, like you said, they're the ones that are that should say, you know, we need to start looking in X, Y, Z cities, or this is what's missing, and you know, building out that that knowledge function. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've seen I've seen a lot of research functions actually sitting in like executive search. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always disseminate to all areas. So if the sourcing slash research function is more embedded for across maybe a whole business unit, I, I think that's always a great setup.
0: Yeah, I think for like a mid-sized organization, it feels like that would be home for like a dual department versus yeah. a larger company. Um, you know, the output would be different, but I mean, it's certainly where you should be getting your intel on sourcing, right? You don't, if, if you've got people who you're just kind of pointing to give you resumes, that's, you probably don't have a very effective sourcing department. Yeah. In my opinion. But
1: So when you were putting yourself back in a recruiter seat, what was your least favorite thing to source for?
0: Supply chain and HR. And, and HR? Yeah. 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 And Why? It, and it's not it's it's not that they are HR is difficult in the sense like you can't find people, but organizations are very particular cultured animals. And yeah. oftentimes those HR teams are, are have a particular culture to them. And finding people who are going to fit in that culture with the right skills is is hard. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. So you can yeah. find an HRBP. You know, you can throw a rock in the air and and find someone with that title. Yeah. But can you find someone who is going to fit on your team's HR team with the right skills for your organization, who's going to represent your organization to the rest of the organization in the right way? That's the Mm -hmm. hard part. Um, That is.
1: I guess mine's kind of similar in that vein where it was. I had a group that I supported for a while that was strategic development and strategic planning Mm -hmm. and nothing was based on a particular skill set. It like, it wasn't hard skills. It's not like they had to know a code. It's not like they needed like a specific like experience. It was just these super smart cognitive people that could take us to the next place. And you weren't going to know it until you were talking to them. Mm -hmm. And feeling those soft skills. Like it was like good at negotiations and forward thinking. And like, like there's that stuff is really hard to assess.
0: I I have a story about those kind of people that just reinforces exactly what you said. Um, I was with a company and they wanted to build out this function and they gave me four to hire. And I was like, okay, this is what is, what are this? What? So yeah, the, the yeah, more yeah. I asked, the more I was like, what do they do? And it's like, oh, these are the people that are going to tell us what companies to buy and, and sell. And it's like, okay. Right. And and so I, I really kind of used my ability to to kind of partner and say, okay, where are they going to come from? And it was like, I want the, someone from McKinsey at this level. Bain. Yeah, That's exactly what I was going to
1: say. Yeah. That's and, that's what you're looking for.
0: And it was uh, it was it was fun. I'll say that. But you know, it was great getting to know them and getting to know that function. I, I learned a lot doing that. But darn, if that was not exactly
1: what you're saying, yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, is this a product manager? Oh, kind of like, not really. So it's, I'm like, is it like financial planning and analysis? No, like, ad- mm-hmm. Adjacent, a little bit. I'm like, oh my God. Okay.
0: This is yeah, like. It's, it's somebody who can stand in front of a, a CEO and say, I need you to spend $600 million. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? And this is why I think it's a good idea.
1: <laughs> right. And they're not allowed to just say, I promise it'll go well. <laughs> right, right.
0: Like these are all guys from Yale and Harvard and, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, how's
0: that for episode two, my friend? I think it was, uh, I had fun again. I'll say that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I will say this. Thanks to everyone who who listened. And uh, hope hopefully you stick with us for, you know, next week and subscribe to the, the podcast. And we're looking forward to, to doing it again next week.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Rodney, my dynamic duo. Uh, Cheers to you all. And that is That Recruiter Show.